1: you guys today we have someone on that okay you know like everyone wants to be able to say like when you watch like um when you watch, like, each True Hollywood Story, there's, like, someone on who, who's, like, went to high school with, with a famous person. They're like, there was some... I, I always knew that she was going to be famous. But today, we have someone on that I can genuinely say that about because we went to college together. Cameron Esposito, you were... I think you were a senior when I was a freshman. I
2: Maybe I'm just two years older than you then. Maybe Actually, just though, two okay, years. Okay, so you graduated in 06, so I think I graduated in 04. Although... Uh-huh. There's a chance I'm making that up. Okay. But I think that's the year I graduated no, it's from like, college. No, by the
1: way, yeah, no, save your money on college because I'm pretty sure that, like, it actually was kind of just a scam. Yeah. I loved it. I had a lot of fun, but, like, I paid a lot of money for my brain, and no one ever asks where I went to school. Could have just done it up at a community college, like, real hard.
2: You know what I think is really important is like that four years just learning how to be a human. Like really college is great because you get to be with other people that are at the same zone, of like generally fucking up and learning from their mistakes for four whole years Uh while you bridge between being like a kid who's not responsible for themselves at all and an adult who's supposed to be like going to work on time and things like that. Right, yeah. So it's a great – it's like a holding pen. No, it, that's exactly right? what know, that's, it is. That's what's so beautiful about it. And people that have the chance to go, I think, benefit from just like being kind of put off to the side for a little bit totally. while they can gestate. People that get to go are really lucky because I do Very think lucky. that it's, it's wild to have like a couple of years where you're, where you're just like not on the clock. No. And you're allowed to really mess up, but you're yeah. also on your own, so nobody's gonna really stop you from messing up, and you get to feel yeah the actual results of your like terrible decisions. But they're not the results are not that bad, yeah, because it's not like you're getting fired or getting kicked out of your apartment. It's true, you're just getting like written up by the RA, and who Did you like get who cares? I don't think I got write ups, but I had a really weird college experience. Well, because I was coming out. Yeah. While I was at school.
1: I didn't I for I did not think you were a a, a lesbian
2: when we I knew Neither you. did I <laughs> when I knew. you. Yeah, I mean it was I was coming out at BC and that was a really rough time yeah. to be coming out at at Boston College, which is where we went, where we went to school. The idea
1: of, like, a gay-straight
2: alliance was, like, pretty, like... It was banned. Yeah. you They weren't allowed to have an alliance. Like, exactly. allies yeah. weren't allowed on campus. Not just not gay people. And I don't know... Like, when I was a freshman, this was a big deal. I don't know if by the time... Because if there's a two-year delay between us, I don't know if it was as big of a deal, but... BC also wouldn't put sexual orientation in its non-discrimination policy, so... I remember that, yeah. Yeah. you could get kicked out of school for being openly gay. Yeah. And so I was having, like, this very wild experience where part of me was, um, like, I had seven female roommates, and I dated dudes, and I was in... My mother's flea which was the improv group. You were in Shovelhead, which was the sketch group. Hello, we Shovelhead. Were, yes, yeah. hello, Shovelhead. <laughs> we were rivals. We were in rival comedy groups. Yes. Totally. Look at us now. No, Two but we success stories. by
1: the end of, by the end of, I remember being a senior, we were like very
2: chill with. Like, oh yeah, egg. and that was like a big deal. Because, I feel like, like it's just a hilarious thing that there would be a rivalry totally. between comedy
1: so groups. Well, no one liked Asinine. and I, and like the one thing we get all agree on was that Asinine and I was not a real That's group. That's true.
2: There was a third yeah. upstart group. Yeah, that I think really did unite the two of us because when our two groups we had like history and tradition. Yeah, and then this new group started up, and we were like, no, at least we know we. You know, I can have you the not. pride of the school behind us. I mean, just like very serious 100%. about comedy. they were.
1: They were like, uh, yeah, they were in a registered school group. <laughs> they were not a real. But I, God, so we were so snotty about that. I, I love it. W- was like I would beef with them pretty openly. Like I would, I because you know if I heard that they were like talking shit about shovelhead, like I would be. I would go directly to them. I'd be really direct and I'd be like, so what is it you're saying about us? Like. You have this whole false narrative that we even care about you. Like I would get like, so there were two guys in particular that always used to talk shit about Shovelhead to me that were in Asinine. My very first job in LA, I walk in, or my first creative job in LA, I walk in. The two people sitting at the desk in the next room are the two guys from Asinine that I was like, I was like, I'm, how do you, you're not supposed to have this job. You guys were in Asinine. Have you seen
2: them since? They're Are they, all, like, around? I, yeah, like,
1: I've no... Yeah. God,
2: that's hilarious. Yeah, they're around.
1: They've both done... They both have done very well. They're doing well. really
2: well. Yeah. Yeah, we judged them too One made too an harshly. experimental film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, Did you have a, an acapella group that was your sister or brother group? That was no. another thing. Like, th- we went to the most hilarious college because all of this was going on. Like, I had, like, a secret girlfriend that lived off campus that we were, like... I mean I had like two very different lives going on at the same time like secret girlfriend and then like really upstanding BC guy boyfriend <laughs> um but I did, I did it uh, you know dude from your group yeah and then we had like a we had a, a sibling a cappella group that we would do shows together where it was like so crazy the acoustics. because Yes, the acoustics yeah. because the because these acapella people would do comedy and we would sing. And it was, like, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like, everybody cared. <laughs> we
1: no, were very sheltered,
2: I think, is the actual thing I'm trying to when
1: say. We cared so – like, it was such a big deal. It was such a big part of your identity to be in one of those groups at school. Like, it yeah. was a huge part of your identity, for sure. Um, I The acapella kids always – my best friend Ed has a has an 11-year grudge and actually he did he went to Boston College and became the gayest person ever. Like he went from being closeted for 4 years at an all boys Catholic high school then w- rolled up to BC in like yellow Dolce & Gabbana board shorts and sunglasses and tanks in the middle of winter. Um but he actually was so angry that he didn't get into the acoustics that he outed someone. What? <laughs> who t- I mean, it's like kind of... on
2: like via what? Like he was like, like MySpace. Like, no, like, <laughs> like
1: he was in the cafeteria and like two of the, um, acoustics walked up to him and were like, you know, we're really sorry we to take you. We wound up going with this other guy. Cause like he could do this. And I was like, like, I don't care. He's like, think I care about that queen or something like that and like that which was just some in a moment of pure bitchiness wow and 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 they this guy wasn't out like Ed knew he was gay but um by assumption wowzers yeah yeah over an acapella group yeah man I mean things Things were serious
2: well did you know at the time that that you were really serious about doing comedy and and entertainment stuff like how how clear was that to you that it wasn't just like a group and an extracurricular thing that you were doing?
1: Well, I became to just like not really pay attention in class at all and just would write like 40 sketches a week. And then I was like, this is like, I just was trying to write as much as possible. And I realized that that could be, it never occurred to me to be a, like a professional anything before. Like I think that I thought I was going to be the governor of Massachusetts. So. so when did
2: you figure it out that that could be a job? Because I, I didn't know it could be a job either to be in comedy.
1: Um, I was actually out here for a really long time before I figured out that I could like maybe get a TV writing job. Like I was a blogger and like kind of like blogs being big readable things where like, you know, people were advertising and stuff started was like pretty big around the time that I came out here. Like YouTube is started my senior year. So people were vlogging like a year or two later and then I got into that. You made
2: malls happen. I
1: made malls happen. Joined uh, Twitter in 2006. So so, I was like, it just got on on the right time. But I didn't know, but I didn't know you could like write for TV or anything until like five years ago. It didn't even
2: occur to me that that's a job I could have. I totally get it. I mean, I, I went to like a Catholic prep high school. I went to BC for college. I was a theology major. Okay. And then I graduated from school and I still kept doing, the day after I graduated, I auditioned for like a professional improv theater in Boston. No, I
1: remember you got into
2: that. Yeah, I got into it. Yeah. And then I like got into the next one up. There's like, there's like a, there's one that's a little smaller and then there's one that's like the most commercial one in, in Boston. And I was on their main stage, like within three months of graduating. Wow. I'd never taken an improv class and I had, like, no idea what I was doing. And everybody else in the cast were, like, in their late 30s or early 40s. And I was, like, 22. And I didn't even know I was supposed to show up for, like, photo shoots or anything. Like, like people right. just, like, didn't tell me that it was, like, important to actually come to the things that they told you to come to. Oh, so okay. I was, like, fired within six months. Really? Just because I was so young. And I also had a day job that was full-time. I worked at a right. school. So I worked at a school 40 hours a week. And then I worked like, 40 hours a week doing comedy. Right. And I just was like, no, this is how people live their lives. They just have, like, two full-time jobs. Full-time jobs. Yeah. And, like, two – and, like, a – and multiple and, – and a boyfriend and a girlfriend. And yeah. then they're just like, <laughs> this is just how you live.
1: Yeah. I definitely realized that I couldn't have one of those jobs, like, a real job that required 40 hours a week of my time when because I – First moved out here. I, I was doing a little bit of stand up, and I just thought, oh, like I'll, I'll so easy. I'll be a publicist by day, and then at night I'll be a stand up comedian. Perfect. And then I realized, like, oh no, those are both like full time jobs, and like one is a possible major struggle. And I just so I just kind of always chose to make less money so that I could work in a creative field, but I could never have a full time job and
2: pursue a career in the arts. I just thought that's what was supposed to happen for a really long time. Like I even went back to social work school. I was going to get my master's. Yeah. And I just was like still very committed to, I lived in Chicago by that time. And I was just very committed to hanging out uh, all day with like kids with special needs and then joking into microphones all night. Yeah. But now I do this. Now, yeah. I, now I podcast in this kitchen
3: professionally
1: uh, that's amazing
2: so you um like
1: you like are you living just on
3: like, yeah i have years now? I have
2: wow years
1: now. okay so tell me what how what was the what was like the turning point
2: well i figured out how to cobble together a living in chicago okay doing stand-up and it looked a lot of it looked like a lot of um like, I'm kind of a self-starter, so I just, like, started a lot of things that I right. realized I could make, like, this much money. I taught stand-up classes for women. Okay. And I ran an open mic at a bar that paid me. And I toured and got money that way. And I, um, you know, like, hosted shows. as a circus ringmaster. And I okay. did all those things at the same time. And then that kind of, like, was enough money to pay Chicago rent. Because okay. it's a little bit more affordable there. And... Then after I f- did that for a couple of years, I was like, oh, I guess maybe this is just how you do it in L.A. Meanwhile, that is totally not true. Yeah. But I'm glad I didn't know because I might have not moved out here when I did. Totally. Because L.A. doesn't really allow for that, like, you can cobble stuff together, but it's not, like, on a daily basis and it's not, like, stuff you create as much. Like, you kind of have to figure out how to plug into larger entities
3: and yeah. get, like, TV
2: work here and there or tour. Um like, sell albums. I mean, I do it, like, a million different ways. But it's, it's like, I don't have, like, one job. I have, like, a hundred, uh, tiny jobs. Uh, and all,
1: that's, that's totally it, is that I think
2: that people don't, like, get that
1: you have one million pokers on the fire at any given time, all the time in this business. Like, oh, yeah.
2: My taxes are, like, actually hilarious. <laughs> because I, I do them myself, and uh, the like software will always be like do you want to add more yeah <laughs> 1099s like there's you there's not there's no chance that you've made this that you have this many sources of income because it's like 100 people each paid me a dollar and that's yeah. how i made my money yeah yeah well i would just
1: try to arrange more under the table situations thank you for your concern
0: not that the IRS is not listening to this podcast.
1: Yeah. I'm just like,
2: I, I mean, I'm the not last. that doable
0: for
1: like
2: clubs and stuff because they have to do their taxes. That's okay. the only reason. Unfortunately, in this field, you're always working with like a million. Because you being in television writing, like that's your that's a very time consuming job. Right. And I'm not and right you, now.
1: I'm I'm gonna go back up for a stopping oh, Okay,
2: I left. Yeah, I've
1: left two bro girls after three years, and that's a very it's a very full time job.
2: Yeah, very full time job. When was that? When? Um, at the end of season three.
1: So like, I don't last, even know what season. A year ago, on now. A year, like a it was year like ago. Last night. Yeah.
2: What sorts of stuff have you been doing with your time since?
1: I just wrote an ebook called The Alcoholic Bitch Who Ruined Your Life. Great. Um, it's going to be up for pre-sale very awesome. soon. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, and just like freelancing a shit ton. like any anywhere I can find that's doing – that will pay me to write. Mostly writing stuff? Yeah. yeah.
2: Oh, I, yeah. Once and you're then, kind of in that circle, have you found that people reach out to you a bunch? Because I feel like having, um, having that big writing credit of Two Broke Girls is a huge deal.
1: Um, yes and no. I mean, I feel like when I s- people used to th- I think now people are surprised to know I'm available. Sometimes like I get jobs from people that are like or emails from people that are like um, you know, hey, like can you help me find a job. I'm like, "Yeah, can you help me find a job?" Like yeah. like I mean, if we can do a trade these thing because like I don't, you know, I so I just kind of like have been cobbling um, a living together more slowly. Like, it's more definitely a more modest lifestyle for me now than it was, like, three years ago when I would buy a bottle of Dom because it was Friday. So, um, yeah, but I, it's been actually really, f- like, freeing and, like, good creatively for me to kind of get back to myself because I started a company and started writing on a show in the same week. So um, I just, yeah... It was like a – it was a lot for like three or four years straight and I had to come back to myself I think creatively. Do you find that like you – if you don't spend a certain amount of time on yourself that you like lose your voice?
2: Well, we're kind of in slightly different fields in this way because what is very specific about being a stand-up is that your brand is yourself Mm -hmm. and it's a very weird thing because you're – I'm really a salesman. Like, that's really what my job Absolutely. is. Absolutely, uh, Is that I, like, travel the country, selling a thing. But what I'm selling is, like, my own opinions and, like, a s- specific haircut. And, like, <sighs> this is the vest I wear. And so I tr- I've i been trying to, like, plug that thing into as many different outlets as possible. Like, I have a couple podcasts. Um, one that's a stand-up podcast, one that's about action movies. And I, <laughs> like, like, write a column for the A.V. Club and I put on an album and I'm writing a book and it's all like from the same kind of central source. I think what gets exhausting is actually how much time you have to spend mining yourself and after a while how like crazy making that is. Yeah, It's a lot of time thinking about your own opinions about things.
1: I remember definitely feeling that way when I like when I was just when I had been blogging like multiple times a day, every day for like five or six years. I remember being like, my entire life is about, like, is about myself. Like, I I felt, that's why I really enjoyed, like, stepping away in some senses and writing for Two Broke Girls because it was the first time I was writing about not myself. So, um, yeah, I I find it, I totally understand what you mean. It can be exhausting and also confusing sometimes about yeah. Like, having a boundary with yourself. To I've, I've done some out, yeah.
2: more acting this year, and that's actually been really... Like, I wasn't sure how that would go. Because yeah. up until this point, all the television stuff I've done has been, you know, again, like, show up and, like, make sure you get a haircut joke in there or whatever. And then this was just, like, somebody else wrote the thing, and it was very cool, and I realized I really liked it. because What did it you was do? So, I was on Marin. I had, like, a, a little bit of a character arc on Marin. this oh, year. Oh, nice. Which was cool. Um... Just because, like, it was a safe space also. Like, the yeah. perfect first job for that because I know Mark and then I know some of the other writers and some of the other actors on it. So it wasn't like I was showing to, up to, I don't know, like some big feature film. And mm-hmm. it was my first thing where I had to come in a bunch of days.
1: It was a safe space.
2: Yeah, it was. I felt like very protected a little egg walked That's across a awesome. lawn on a spoon. That's awesome. I've always like,
1: I'm, I'm have zero training for that sort of stuff at all. But like, you know, when you first come out here, if anyone asks you if you act, the answer is yes. Like you just say yes. Like, I don't care if you don't want to be an actress. Like it's, you just say yes if someone asks you that question. So I used to like go on auditions and I had a manager and they used to send me on auditions for like big movies and, and like sizable roles. And I realized like through maybe my just, like, maybe uh, doing this six or seven or eight times, like, things that just felt so out of my league. I was like, I'm not trained to do this. Like, I have no fucking idea. No wonder, like, I don't book anything. I Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And it is, I really, like, watching the girls on the show act for two years, like, Kat and Beth are both so seamless in their own ways. And I'm, like, really made me understand that, like, acting is, like, a real
2: thing. Yeah, I think that's 100% true. It's also interesting because you can kind of get in – because I also had, like, a little spot on Comedy Bang Bang this year, and everything that I've gotten – like, I should just stop auditioning for stuff because it's like, who gives a fuck? Like, nobody wants me to walk through the door at, like, a random casting call because I'm just, like, not – I'm not going to, like, get an audition. I'm not going to book a part off of just, like, oh, she was, like, right in the room. Yeah. It has to be that somebody's going to come and be like, we want Cameron Esposito specifically. Totally. And I, you know, I have – the cool thing about stand-up is you get to, like, watch the classes ahead of you. Mm -hmm. And the class that was ahead of me in Chicago when I started was, like, T.J. Miller and Hannibal Burris and Kumail Nanjiani, all of whom are still friends of mine, but, like, they're people that I've watched, like, how they – progressed and it really is just like oh people know who you are eventually because we can't compete with cla- like people that went to Tish right at NYU like totally. we can't compete with like drama students so it's gonna you just like go in through a weird back way where you're like on stage talking about your life for long enough then like some random person becomes your fan from that and then they produce this thing and then you get in that thing and 100%. it's a very funny it is way it's of easy. doing it because it's not it's like not predictable. It's never going to be because I nailed something. We have to take some phone calls. Let's do
1: it. Are you ready to do You know what we do here? Do you advise? We advise. People call in. Uh, these are pre-recorded messages. I have no idea what they're going to say. Um, a lot of these people surprise me. And um, we basically tell them how to live their lives. How to, We fix I, them.
2: That doesn't sound like too much responsibility to no. me. I'm no. ready for that.
1: Fix people. All right. Let's do
4: this. Hi, um, my name is Charlie. Okay, so my issue is these, I'm trying not to swear, these boys who think that they know things about feminism and they stress me the hell out and I don't know how to reply to them without telling them I hate them and threatening, just threatening them in general. (laughs) It's really bad. And I honestly just want to like shut people the hell up! People are so dumb and ignorant, and I, I need advice. I need to know how to educate people. I mean, I have slightly, but like, I need people to get the hell out of my notifications on Twitter. And these people also go to school with me, but they won't say anything to my face. Basically, I just want to know how to reply and not make myself look like an asshole. I for, I darn. Okay, thanks so much. Girl,
1: I think you're, like, in high school or college or something. Like, I'm, I'm ex- excited that you're still in the point of your life where you can have time for these exhaustive debates that, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I can't, I when people ask me questions about feminism now, I'm like, I kind of just don't even want to answer that only because everyone gets, every, just, like, it's just, it's a, it's talked, I it's it's both talked to death and, like, not, and I feel like there's just, that com I, the whole conversation, I I just ignore it from now on. That's my personal take on it. Even though I am a huge feminist, of course, but normally if I have to, if someone tells me that they're not, I'll just say to them, "Do you be- you believe that men and women are equal?"
2: Yeah, I think something that is helpful uh, is to the word feminism. I think is what puts people off
1: totally. And you know
2: what? I don't know why that is. I'm totally chill with the word, but if you're not, I often Offer people the option of using the word sharing. Right. Because that's really what feminism is about. It's just equal opportunity, equal access. It's just sharing. Yes. And if you think that we have equal opportunity, equal access, then perhaps we need to have a conversation about where you are, how you are judging that. Yeah. uh, Because it is disproven. With statistics and also women's personal experience. But if that's if that's what you're debating, if you're like, I'm not sure if it is really different, that's a little bit harder. But if it's just people that are on the face saying like, you know, I don't know, meninism or like all this kind of right, major right, stuff right. that I think is to the word. Yeah. I always just say like, if it's the word, you just need to just, just sub in sharing. Wherever you see feminism, just sub in sharing. That's something you can do on your own. And then first, I was a little unclear whether she was saying like that people were tweeting at her I or think she's if been, she's just yeah. reading tweets. And I will say that something I've been trying really hard to do is to protect my space in social media because we actually don't have to consume everybody's opinion. Right. Um, and we also don't have to allow everybody's opinion in our space. I think especially as women, it can feel very controlling to like delete what somebody writes or to block somebody. But These are tools that we need to protect our own space. Social media space is not any different than like physical space in terms of your mind and in terms of feeling protected. So like you wouldn't let somebody just walk into your house. You would lock the door. We can do the same thing on Twitter. Uh, Somebody says something you don't like, you can block them. If they say something you don't like, but you're a classmate of theirs and you have to see them the next day, you can mute them. You don't right. have to fix them. I think, you know, as women also sometimes we feel like we have to go out in the world and fix things. You can just protect yourself and claim yeah. your space as being like a safe spot. People write stuff on – I have like this very public large, you know, Facebook page for being a comedian. If people write stuff I don't like, I delete it. and I right. And I just remove that person from the page because it's not actually their right. I like worked yeah. to have that – space and it's not somebody else's right to take that from me so there you go
1: that's a really good answer that's a really and when i say like i don't want to i like i'm tired of talking about it's the same way that i'm like tired of like trying to argue with my you know with my stepdad about how he votes like after a certain point i'm just it's like there's nothing i like there's just it there's a has to be a better use of my energy than this and if it's like you know i don't like to accept that people are ignorant and just hope that they all die off but like i i like take a look around the world girl like there's a lot of like you can't change these crazy some of these crazy right.
2: people i think that's what i'm saying as well is just that you have to i think move a little bit more towards self protection it's Amen. not your job to fix somebody else's viewpoint and if it drives you nuts don't look at it like get it out of your get it out of your feed, get it out of your move to a different state. Like do whatever you can if to you get don't somewhere like it, where you can change a station. Yeah. You just don't have to fight. You don't have to fight for the rest of your life. There are people who think like you and you can surround yourself with
1: Coastal them. Coastal cities, girl. <laughs> um, okay, next call.
4: Hey Malls. Um, my name's Aaron. I'm a I'm a huge fan. Love please advise actually uh learned about you from coke talk when you guys were doing the notes to my future husband but anyway i had a longer question i was going to ask but i've distilled it down to what are your thoughts on an open relationship what is what would be required for you to be comfortable with that and uh yeah give a girl drop some wisdom on a on a girl thanks bye (laughs) Well, like I'd have to
1: completely change who I am as a person, like because I'm way too fucking jealous and possessive, and like, you know, I don't want, like, I don't want, you know, my my husband or my boyfriend's dick going in other vaginas and then like, coming home and putting that dick in my vagina too. I don't, I don't, I don't want that, and I can't imagine a scenario. I mean, like maybe if like. You know, maybe if I had to have, like, a lobotomy and I was basically just, like, a body and, like, I knew that my husband was going to have sex with, like, sex workers um, for, you know, a release once every three or four months, I could probably be okay with that in that situation. But open relationships
2: don't work for me at all. What do you think? Well, I've tried, and I will say that I think it is a predisposition to wanting to have multiple partners or wanting to have multiple outlets Um, and I just don't, I don't know that that's, I'm curious if it will ever come back into my life, something like that again. But when I have tried, it was for the wrong reason. Like I tried because, um, an ex of mine was from a different country and she had to return home. And so in the interim, we decided to like still date, but see other people. And it was really just that we didn't want to say out loud that we broke up. And that is, like, a terrible reason to do it. And I think because it's now on the table, a lot of people, like, introduce it as an idea as opposed to a breakup. And I think that never works. So opening up a relationship to save it, um, like, to put it, like, to press save and, like, put it on a shelf, I think is something that will not work very well. But um, I think if you're even even separated by space and time and you're just like, oh, I can just spend time with people... With multiple people then you're a different kind of person totally so there's just different i think you have to look at like the reason behind it some people are
1: swingers some people you know like i always think about swingers and i'm like i guess that like they're just both really into watching other
2: people fuck their like lady or dude yes that's the thing and i also like i mean people have multiple oh yeah
0: throttles. Yeah, but... <laughs> Polyamory, yeah. yeah. Dan Savage is big on, like, you probably know people who are polyamorous or have an open relationship. They're just not out about it. I think it's important For if you go me. into the relationship knowing you want an open relationship instead of saying already being in this monogamous situation and then saying, hey, what if we see
2: other people? I mean, I think it, that that can even change because your, sex, you, your sexuality can change over your lifetime. Totally. But I think you're right that it has to be something that's, like, positive and not not a negative. You know, like, I, that's, that's kind of what I'm saying, the divide between, like, we're, like, into this versus, like, well, we would not be into that, like, we would not be into breaking up or we would not be into cheating, so we'll do this instead. And I think um, that's when people's hands can be kind of forced and that's when things can go badly. Right.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree.
2: So do it if it brings goodness into your life.
1: Oh, I would be... You don't even want it. It would be a disaster. Because the only way you could trick me into an open relationship would be, like, if I just forgot to love myself. And then, like, I, I wanted to be with someone that, that didn't want to commit to me. And I wouldn't be living in, like, despair and hell every day, but, like, secretly happy that I'm not single. So but you're not implying
0: people who do participate in these things don't love themselves.
2: No, I just, for, I just, for yeah.
1: me personally, I would have to like, I would really have to have a piece of my brain removed, I think.
2: I think some people find having one partner to be like a lot of pressure. That's one way it can be a really good thing. Totally. if you're the kind of person who's like, I don't want somebody to rely on me only or to connect with me only. I'd like somebody to have like a full experience that includes other people. So again, that's like the positive thing that happens as opposed to just like, yeah, you have, you had a sad day. Yeah, I, I think, guess that's true. I don't, think, I don't think sad days are ever a good, a good thing for making giant relationship decisions. No, that's true. That's true. Um, okay,
1: I want to play a game with you that I just invented the other day. Um, I think that you can tell a lot about a person by what it is that they fear. Okay, so we're going to play a game I made up called Do You Fear That? and I'm going to read you 50 fears, and then you just say yes or no. Okay, great. Okay. Deep space. No. Fire. No. Food in countries you've never been to. No. The dark. Yes. Unexpectedly seeing a naked adult. No. A man, yes. Clowns. No. Sleeping alone. Yes. Getting caught talking to yourself in the car? No, I'm into that. Little person porn? No. Germs? No. Saying a new word out loud for the first time? No.
2: Maybe? Maybe. Maybe.
1: The idea that you might be the only person in your friend group who doesn't understand the movie you just saw?
2: No, I'm open about that.
1: First dates?
2: No, those are kind of fun.
1: Finding out that you've been... been, uh, Finding out that you've been suffering from a severe mental illness your entire life?
2: No, God, that would be helpful.
1: Watching mold grow on nature
2: shows? No, into that, kind of beautiful.
1: What you'll see when you look in the mirror?
2: Some, yes, sometimes, depending. Uh, Lena Dunham success? No, you get it, girl.
1: Uh, Phobophobia, a.k.a. a fear of developing phobias? I'm
2: not stressed about that at all.
1: Dancing in public?
2: Sometimes.
1: Singing in public? Nope. Missing out on events slash parties? When I was younger. Fuck that shit now. Having to go to events slash parties? Yes. That you're a fraud? No. That no one would ever romantically love you if your face got burned off with acid?
2: No, I've got a great personality.
1: Okay. Mispronouncing <laughs> someone's name every time you see them and never being corrected? Yes. <laughs> Spending a week in Times Square?
2: No, but that sounds like hell. try to get. afraid of it. Yeah. just know it's terrible.
1: It's not fun. Contracting herpes? No.
2: Most people have it.
1: Blindly reaching into a bag of jelly beans and putting one in your mouth without looking at it?
2: Well, I'm like can't take sugar candies that are just fruit flavored, so just pass. Like I'm not even afraid of it, just it's like a garbage pile. Going Get through that T- garbage pile away from me. <laughs> uh,
1: going through TSA? No. Needles? No. Mm. No. What's in tap water? No. Spending a month or more with your family and only your family? No, but I should be. <laughs> Sunday <laughs>
2: nights? That's the problem. Uh, no, not Sunday nights.
1: That you might have bad body odor or breath and no one, uh, no one knows how to tell you?
2: I constantly assume I do have bad breath. Mm-hmm. I I'm, I'm not worried people can't tell me. I okay. just know it in my own ha- heart. Okay, and I don't really. I just I have. A, of I have just the same constantly yeah. brush my teeth, like I would say, twenty times a day. Maybe it's a slight. It's a
1: problem. Flossing is huge. Yeah,
2: fl- fl- flossing is a large part of my life.
1: Yeah, that's good. I like cleaning my ears. That's my thing. Oh, yeah.
2: that's very satisfying. Like, but, but no, my, my cleaning my teeth is just like, it's it. You know. You do it for hours. Uh, Commitment. Sometimes certain aspects of it, like not having not being able to have sex with somebody else again. Even if I like don't want to have sex with somebody else. Right. It's just a scary thing to like remind yourself of. You got to take it day by day. Day by day. You have to be like today. Do I want to have sex with somebody else? Oh, no. Well, then why was I freaking out about that? Right. But I think when you start to look down like the long tunnel of commitment, that gets very scary. I can see that. Do you know what I mean? Where you're like, Uh, oh, for 30 years? Like, that seems scary.
0: It's like, I I have to deal with this person's, like, like chewing the way this person chews for the next 30 years of my life. I had got, I
1: got a little ornery with Derek because he said that, because he wouldn't say whether or not he'd have sex with other people in heaven. (laughs) And I was like, Babe, like no, like even in heaven, you're still only having sex with me. He's like Molly, it's like heaven, like you can't. And I was like,
0: I just didn't even think you had sex in heaven. Like I never thought about what that would be like. I
2: mean, if, or there, if that happens, yeah, honestly. God, if I get to heaven and I'm only having sex with one person, like send me to hell. That right. sounds, that sounds like you like a little variety. You think it's just like a big. Orgy down up there? can't no, kind of assume maybe our um, bodies don't go with us. So that might also impact But like us. your spirits have sex. <laughs> I don't know. Are there fluids involved?
1: No, it's just like, like so two ghosts no, it, rubbing up no, against each
2: other. What? It,
0: there's no ejaculation. No. There's no two ghosts <laughs> rubbing up against each other. But it also sounds like think the beginning about of how many joke. people
2: are in heaven. Like it's got to be super packed up there. So, like, you so, could like, have there's sex there's totally with, like, a chance you might just yeah, accidentally bump into somebody because you're, like, watching a movie or whatever. Right, But I'm right. like, oh, you but could have the sex intention with, like, behind your- Thomas
0: Jefferson or something.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thomas
0: Jefferson would be your out? I <laughs> feel <laughs>
1: like you have terrible taste. He was a slave owner. You would hook up with Benjamin Franklin. Yeah, I would. Um,
0: that's her... I think that's we'd all boo. hook
2: up with Benjamin Franklin.
0: <laughs> like, that guy was a genius. He was also apparently really charming. So, yeah. Uh, there's a couple people I have in mind.
1: I, I don't know who I, I, I you know what, I, I, I'm I going to remain, I'm going to stay on my stance and I'm going to be faithful to my husband, even in, in heaven, but whether I guess, it be like, Derek or whomever. There
2: might be a situation in which a relationship would come, people would come to an agreement. So it, right. I don't think it would be not being faithful. I think it would be like, we're in heaven. Let's treat it like we're in heaven. <laughs> right, you know? right.
1: I guess that's true. I guess I know. I'm so, I am so uh, I'm so, like, odd, I'm like oddly traditional. Um, becoming homeless. No. Change.
2: Yes, sometimes.
1: Accidentally falling in love with a stripper or sex worker.
2: <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Has that happened Strippers are before? very effective at their jobs. Yeah. Uh, have you ever been to a strip club? I have. Have Have you been to a strip club where it was dudes? I feel no, like it must be not... different.
1: I've well, I go. I've been like many gay bar nights where it's like there's guys dancing. Yeah. that or like guys. But with that's the like so they don't like lists.
2: interact with you though, because like, like so the thing right. about a strip club is like the whole point they make money by interacting with you, right? And I will say that some women are really good at their jobs. Mm-hmm. It's very strange when you're attracted to women to have like a really hot woman be like, hey, I'm like super into you. And then you're just trying to be like, it's for this is their job, you know? Yeah, it's
1: for it. Yeah, they're earning it. It's their job. They're earning it. Uh, vomiting.
2: No, but I'm terrible at vomiting. Like I can't puke sometimes if I need to. I'm just uh, not good at it. Okay. Not a good puker. You don't pull the trigger? It doesn't work. My body is just like, keep it in there. Yeah. It's like really hard for me to throw up. Good. That's that's
1: nice. I throw up like two, three times a week. Wow. Yeah. I
2: have, yeah,
0: I have, I've told you this before. I have a And so I can go years without vomiting.
2: Oh. Yeah. I mean, I've, I think I've puked one time since I was in college and it was wow. like a, this summer. I got like heat stroke because I was standing in the pool like at noon with no water and I hadn't eaten anything and Palm I had, Springs. I had like a here in LA, I was um, just like at somebody's pool, it was like hundred degrees and I had like a bloody Mary. Yeah. I don't and I don't really drink that much. Um and yeah. I got like heat strokes slash immediately started vomiting from alcohol. Oh, apparently my God. I'm in my thirties because I One drink, and I was like, I need to lay in your bed. (laughs) I love that. I love asking people. I'm like, I'm tired
1: at your party. Can I lie down? I've totally done that. Um, bugs.
2: Yes. I'm terrified of bugs, they're disgusting. Being fisted. No. No. Not that difficult. Okay. Unusually good looking people. No. I just like wonder what their lives are like. What's that like? Yeah, you know, just to constantly be catered to. I went to see Furious Seven last uh-huh. night. How was it? It's actually great. I would really recommend it. Okay, I yeah. love action movies. I loved it. Oh, good. Um, but also, Paul Walker was one of those people because that man, that man was was just like beautiful. Like he just like looks like a Ken. Totally, he just has a perfect face. His hair is in. A, it's perfect. He just is perfect looking. Like he's. He was. Right. I can't imagine what that was like. I can't I imagine like what it's like to live in that body.
1: If I feel I feel like if I saw Angelina Jolie in person, like I would not be able to like make eye contact. Like I would be. I certainly hope not super because nervous. You'd be
2: fainting at her feet. No, She's my all-time, although I think like she got a little too thin lately. Oh, really? it bums me out. Well, I think Hollywood is doing this weird thing where women in their like mid 30s are now way skinny where like we used to be worried that young starlets were getting too thin now like in the jennifer lawrence era totally. we're, like, oh thank god they have like some amount of body on them right but it's just been like delayed 10 years and now women that are in their mid 30s are like I mean, I don't know if they're losing weight because they're freaking out about their age, and I'm assuming yes. It's a and control super thing, I bums think. me out. Yeah,
1: super bums me out, Because when you
2: watch, like, award shows, the women that are in their 20s are now looking a little bit better. Like, I'm less worried about them. Yeah. And the women that are in their 30s, it's, like, rough.
1: That's a really interesting point. Yeah, no, I think it's a control thing because it's like they they can't do anything about the fact that their face is aging yeah. or that they're, you know, their hair is graying or whatever, but they can starve themselves. Right. So I totally think that that's what It's that like 30 is.
2: to 50. And then if you see like, you know, like a Meryl Streep type person or that those women, again, are, they're in the age in their life that they, maybe they care a little less. They've already gone through that like gauntlet of, Right. of aging. And so, they Well, also, it too. makes
1: you look like shit. So like, I feel like, Oh, to be very thin, to be gone ages like you yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah. Your
2: eyes get all sunken. And I also think if you're getting work done, Um, like your work is, they do it while it's like supposed to be in a certain place. And if you lose a lot of weight, your facial features shift around. So I also think sometimes women in Hollywood look really strange when they're thin, because like they had something done, and then they lost even more weight. And now it's like, in the wrong place it's you know the, like they're like the eyes are in the wrong yeah. place
1: yeah botox gets melty on some people and i think that that's why i think that's what it, that you gotta is. have like a little fat in there yeah you gotta um i did ask my mom recently if i should um do botox and she was like i think the sooner you start the better <laughs> um yeah she, that's a thing really that re- if re- if the answer really shocked me i was assuming my mom my mom was gonna be like no <laughs> of course not honey but she was like That that might be something you want to look into. (laughs) Um, The Dentist. No. Death. Yes. Knowing what your hot dog is actually made of.
2: No, I'm a vegetarian. My hot dog is made of soy. Crying in public. No, although I did cry at the end of Furious 7, and I was a little bit trying to suppress that because it's like a little intense to cry at the end of a Fast and Furious movie. Right. But also the whole theater was doing the same thing of just like,
1: I'm glad you allowed yourself to feel a little. You know that's nice. It's important to
2: feel your feels. Yeah, it was it was for real in there. It was for real. Lots of dudes being like,
1: "I got you, man." I mean, no spoilers, but like, is it does Paul Walker's character like die at the
2: end? He doesn't, but they just do like a nice homage or whatever. Like, actually, for what it is, they deal with it really respectfully and like kind of in a classy way. Nice. Which I didn't expect and that's why it made me emotional because I was like, oh, oh, you're going to just be surprisingly classy in this movie? So, yeah, it was cool.
1: That's nice. Um, uh, Oh, being with a girl
2: who's crying in public. Like clearly. Oh, my God, that has happened to me so many times. If I was afraid of that, like forget it. That is... Hey, women be crying.
1: They women be crying, and women be crying in restaurants too. Uh, Being arrested for a murder that you didn't commit. Not until recently, but now, yes, thanks to cereal. Yeah, right. Um,
2: uh, Heights. Yes, very afraid of heights. Working on it by hiking a little bit higher every day since I moved to Los Angeles.
1: Good. Um, The idea that your worst enemy might be correct about you.
2: Yes. I think that's why I do stand up comedy. Mm-hmm. To directly address people through microphones.
1: Yeah, like While I'm self-aware. they have to be quiet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um birds. No, not afraid of birds. Okay. Good. Well that was that was That's a great that? game. You like that? I think it was really fun. Um Thanks. I'm glad. I'm glad. We were going to play a round of what's in my bag with you, which was right. brought uh, which was brought to the pod by Allie Waller recently. But you said you don't carry a bag. And then I
2: accidentally shut up with my briefcase today. No, I don't carry a bag. I just carry like a briefcase sometimes. And literally what's in there is like these headphones. There's like nothing in there.
1: <laughs> okay. How do you have like I cause I need my bag of stuff. Like I need to know I have my stuff.
2: I I don't know if it's just like because my gender is like a little bit butch that I like phased that out. Like I'm not, I'm definitely soft butch. I'm not saying, but I just mean like, I, I've i discovered a briefcase only a couple of years ago. I so do in like, my like have a
1: briefcase moment. Yeah. I like that.
2: I love it. But like in my early 20s, when you would have been like buying your first bags and like carrying them around or whatever, yeah. I was just like carrying a backpack. Totally. And then as a, I'm in my third, I can't be like a woman- has a backpack? Like, forget it. So I had to figure out a different thing. That's a mostly very, like
1: comedian thing, It's mostly like
2: books filled with jokes. It's mostly right. like, I mean, I don't know what's in there. I don't, well, what do I, what would I need to carry? I have hair product with me always. Okay. And like a hairbrush or comb.
1: And where Shats do you keep those bracket. things? Do you just raw dog it in your hand? No. When, okay. But
2: when you have. Hang on. <laughs> I have a comb in my interior. Oh my God. I have a God. comb in the interior of my jean jacket. I have a chapstick in my pocket. I have my wallet and I have my phone. And if I need to like look pretty, I'm assuming it's because I'm going to be on television or something like that. And then someone does my makeup.
1: Girl, that's very greaser of you. Yeah, that's
2: you know very Danny Zuko moment. Yes, (laughs) that's totally true.
1: Chic as fuck. Do you want to take more calls? Yeah, let's do it.
2: Okay. Hey, moms. I love your pod. I've
1: been listening for
3: a little while now, and I think you can help me with you know, my dilemma. I have a not so great relationship with my dad. It's kind of been like that my like, I don't know, since I was like 12 or 13. And he's not he's like kind of passive aggressive and petty and like untrustworthy. He's basically a lot of things that like if they were coming from a person that was just like a friend or an acquaintance or something, he would not be in my life. And I realized, like, last time we got in a fight recently, and um, I realized, like, he's not going to change and, like, be a different person, and it's hard right now because I'm living with him and I don't have a car, so, like, I need him to pick me up from the train station and stuff, and, like, that's irritating. And I just don't know. Like, obviously, I need to get out of his house and, like, out of his life in that way. But, like, can I, like, totally be out of his life? Is that, would that make me a bad daughter? Um, I'm just tired of being treated like shit. Uh, please advise.
0: Okay. So she also wrote us an email with some more dates. Yeah. She wrote in, she said, <clears throat> I moved in with my dad following a car accident, and it really hasn't been the best situation to heal in emotionally. I'm also finally getting comfortable in my sexuality. I'm queer. And my dad is very religious, very Nigerian, and very homophobic. To me, it's all the more reason to go. That's it. And her name is Evie. Fuck. At first, I was going to be like, you know what?
1: Like, you can't be asking your dad for a car ride if you want to cut him out of your life. But now that, I mean, that is some really important detailage that you have just said. What do you think about this?
2: I think you need to use him in a certain way to help you be strong again, the way that we need our parents. Hey, sometimes as adults, we still need our parents. I wish that there was someone else that you could go to that could provide you some of this healing. If there is like a cousin or a sibling or a mom that is possible, cheers. If not, I think what you do is you share as little as little as possible about who you actually are with him. While you're under his roof and you just get yourself physically healed, then you get out of there and you take control of your own life and you make his behavior, his good behavior contingent upon him seeing you like he has to be rad for you to see him, not like you have to be a certain way so that he can stay in your life, if that makes any sense. Like I think that there's a couple different things going on here. This is the same same advice I'd give to like a young queer person who wasn't able to like support themselves because of age or who wasn't able to drive because they were like 15 or something like, sometimes you just have to be quiet about it and then wait it out. And that's just during the duration where you cannot take care of yourself. Then once you're in the space where you can take care of yourself, Yeah. Or if you figure out a different scenario, you know, like pay lip service to just like, and I'm not saying you have to tell him you're not queer. I just think you just don't even bring it up. Do not talk to him about it. He does not need to know right now what's going on for you internally. You just get healthy. Um, And then while you're in there, while you're doing that, you know, see if there's somewhere else you can stay until you're in full strength. But when you're in this kind of vulnerable, vulnerable position physically or because of age or some other reason, like doing anything else to make you more vulnerable is is only going to make it more difficult for you his behavior sucks his long term he is not going to be allowed to do this because you're gonna tell him that you're gonna tell him that he can't say terrible things to you and be in your life he can't treat you in a way that you wouldn't allow a friend to treat you
1: I do believe like I I cut my dad out of my life when I was about um I mean I think the process started when I was nine and like saw him for the last time when I was around 10 and I never saw him again he he died a couple years ago um but I came and I write about this in my upcoming ebook the alcoholic bitch who ruined your life it's actually a big big topic of conversation in the book um I felt I needed to protect myself from him. Like, I felt that he was a dangerous person for me to be around. And I do think that if your father can, you know, when you've done what Cameron said, which is, like, get over this hump as, you know, lay low, get the comforting that you need, I don't think there's anything wrong with deciding to never speak to a parent again if they are a harmful parent. I
2: Right, or even just controlling the way that he's in your life. I yeah. I mean... You, also. I also don't think that you have to specifically cut somebody out. I think you can leave it gray if what you know you're getting out of it is some relationship with your father and what, what you're putting your foot down about is the behavior that requires that. Some good behavior required from him. So what I mean is like you don't have to say I'll never see you again, but you can leave his house if he says something shitty to you. Right like in the future, when you don't live there, you can decide to get in your own car and drive out of the driveway and remove your presence from his life
1: what would it, What would you say in a situation where you know he doesn't ever fully accept her um, sexuality and she, for example, can't bring her long term girlfriend or wife home for christmas
2: I mean, this is something i've gone through um my own life and with with partners and i do i mean i you brought up dan savage earlier but he is somebody who has been, had a huge impact in my life right and i get to know him now which is really amazing that's like i know, know each i heard other, you that's so I'm really cool so
1: gel that you've
2: gotten to meet him and know him yeah um but he says like give it a year that's his advice on it if somebody says Like you can't, I I can't meet your girlfriend. You say like, okay, you have a year to get used to meeting my girlfriend. And then after a year, you're just not allowed to say that anymore. And I I think that's a really good plan. But I do think that if you're dad long term or any family member or any friend long term says I can only like this part of you, they're not understanding that being gay or being queer is every part of you and it's also like no part of you. I mean it's – it's. I think it's like both the least and most important thing about me. There's no – it's not like in like some little finger where I can just like cut off that finger and then the rest of me is like straight person. Like the whole part of me is gay and the whole part of me is a woman and the whole part of me is also just the person I've always been. Okay. So I just don't think you can – siphon that out it's way too much psychological stress absolutely for a long-term relationship you can't put that on yourself i i would not accept that um and fight and fight that fight
1: just for the people at home who might be wondering can you because uh, i'm always i always want to be careful about how the words i use and that i'm fully aware of something or know it like what Can you explain the difference between gay and queer for people who might not know?
2: Sure. Yeah. So queer used to have like a really negative connotation, but now it's just kind of more of of a blanket term. I think a lot of people use it now because it can mean so many different things. It can mean like bi or trans or it can mean like I'm I'm heteroamorous, but like I date. Like I love, I love straight men or love men, but I like date, but I also sleep with women. Like there's just, it's just like this really broad. The cool thing about gay people is, <laughs> is that we knock down so many doors that now, this really broad spectrum of different things that you can be. So also, I think sometimes pe- people use it if they, if they are less comfortable with like the word lesbian. Lesbian has a really negative connotation still. I use it because I'm like trying to reclaim it. Absolutely. But um, sometimes I. No, women specifically will use like gay or queer, um, because like lesbian sounds so harsh.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, or like femi- like a feminist lesbian.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Well, you, you, um, real, you're doing drunk history this year, but you're going to be a narrator, which yeah. is awesome. I'm so so excited for you. But I, when I was a narrator on the show, I. Pointed out in the story, I because you tell, you know, you tell like a long ass story and then it gets cut down to the significant parts. And a part of the story that I had I was very fascinated by. It was Grover Cle- Cleveland was an unmarried president. So his sister, who was a lesbian, had to fill in and basically be the first lady while be, before he got married to Francis Cleveland and she was completely miserable. Cause she had to be like private about her life. And she wound up being like the shit because she moved to like Tampa, Florida, found like some really young hot girl, like wound up dating her. They wound up going on a cruise to Tuscany together. Then the girl like went back in the closet and married her husband for a while. But then like Rose Cleveland was like, got her back. And so they, they wound up dying together. It was amazing. Um, but I say in the story, it just got boiled down to Grover Cleveland's lesbian sister. And I was like, and when the emphasis was on lesbian, because I was like, this poor woman had to like limit who she was because sure, her brother was president. Like, you don't ask for that. Like, that's the, la- that's the last thing you ask for is like, can my brother be president and I have to do all the bitch work of a first lady? So I've always wanted to point that out, that I'm not just calling it. Tossing her her around. Well, I also think
2: it's okay. The funny thing is that it also is weirdly it's – a, it's a descriptor, and I think sometimes people think that it's an insult just to say it. Right. Because especially even in our generation, like when we were kids, it's a slam to call somebody gay, and there are supposed to be no gay kids. Meanwhile, gay adults actually were gay kids. So there right. are little gay kids, and so some of the people that you called gay – We're gay and that's why you thought they were gay because they were just gay and unfortunately there's this massive stigma so we have to hide it and also we take away a child's sexuality because it like we're uncomfortable as a culture with thinking about the fact that little kids might eventually grow into adults who will use their sexuality but like we're born with our parts you know we're not like asexual unless we're going to be asexual later like we're not necessarily asexual as kids. We just shouldn't be having sex, but doesn't mean we don't have asexuality.
1: Oh, yeah. Kids um, be gay. Yeah, kids yeah. be gay. Yeah, I
2: know a lot of – I know a
1: lot kids of gay Kids be gay. Guys. Yeah. And it's, like,
2: weird that, like, even to this day, I have people be, like – like, good friends being, like – I don't know. Like, you're a lesbian. I mean, I'm sorry. And you're like, no, it's not – I don't – It's, like, totally what I am. I don't feel weird about it at all. Thanks for using the right word. Mm -hmm. Like, you could also just say you're Cameron. Like, you could say anything. (laughs) These are, like, true things. I'm not offended by it. It's not a negative thing. You did a
0: series of videos for BuzzFeed talking about this kind of subject. Yeah. like, answering questions and clarifying the kind of, like, terms and stuff like that. Yeah.
2: Did you get a lot of feedback from
0: that? Like, positive? Oh, that's
2: been massive. Yeah, Yeah. it's been really massive. Because BuzzFeed is what the younger it, it's like college generation is. right now yeah. it is like their everything it's like their mtv news and their i mean it's just their everything right so it's, it's what what's what people are watching and paying attention to so i think that those videos were way more impactful than i even imagined they would be because awesome. it's like kids that like i've done a couple of colleges since then and kids are like Wow, like it's like they've all seen it. It was like questions
0: that people always wanted to ask a lesbian but were afraid to. That's awesome. That's really
1: great that they, uh, that a platform that large was willing to do something. So, I mean,
2: not. Yeah, a- we did a bunch of them and each of them has like, I mean, it's like literally like combined. It's like in the 10 million hits type of a thing. Wow. It's like so many people watched them. It's rad because that also means it's not just gay people. Yes.
1: absolutely Absolutely.
2: which is really great
1: yeah people i yeah i feel it's so weird because i i grew up like in a, a liberal city and i i live in a liberal city so sometimes i forget how racist and homophobic people are in the rest of the world like i'm shocked when i hear someone say something racist or homophobic now um but it's it's like it's important to remember that that's like still I mean obviously a very real thing. But I just feel like spoiled on liberalism and not like not
2: never hearing that sort of stuff right. Be well, said really. The other up. thing that's true is that gay people or people of color also live in those places, and that's another thing that I think sometimes people forget when they talk about like like I live in L.A. and it's like not even an issue here. Right. But in the middle of the country, like. Everybody has a problem with it. And I, I – not that that's what you just said, but I think it's – the funny thing about that is that you forget that, like, well, no, not everybody has a problem with it because there are actually, like, lots of gay families who totally. live in Indiana. Utah is, like, one of the
0: biggest states for gay people. And it's big because of a lot of gay families.
2: families live there. Right. So when people are talking about, like, Indiana being so nuts right now with the religious – Freedom Act that was passed, and like, how can people in Indiana be so close-minded? It's there are also there are gay people that live there. Like, there's gay people that, live totally. there that are affected by it, and that's so wild. Like the you know, and the, that's what happens in in a place like Ferguson is that there are massive racial tensions because it isn't just racist white people that live in places. Right. Sometimes it's racist white people, and then also it's like. People of color live there too, and they yeah. have to interact with each absolutely, other. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. That's Which a really, really good way to wild, put it. wild, right? It is wild. It's wild to think about. I mean, I don't, I just, I think everyone should just be nice. Like, I'm, <laughs> I mean, Do I, I'm, I'm, others. So confu- I'm so confused by well, was- like half the problems we have. I'm like,
2: why can't everyone just be chill? Like, I know. Who cares? Okay. I was thinking about like Jesus
1: because
2: uh-huh. I know, I, I'm not sure when this is going to be released, but it's Easter tomorrow. And when we're recording it. And I mean, I studied that dude in college because we went to a Catholic school. Totally. And I studied comparative theology. I so I read like a lot of, of stuff theology. that he said. And um that dude basically just said, like, don't be a dick. Mm-hmm. Like that's that is his whole thing. And whether or not you believe that he had anything special going on as like being uh, divine in some way, he's just a philosopher. Like you can we can all agree that his philosophy was written about and shared throughout many years and that the whole point of all of it is just like be cool right to each other and it and that's true for so many religions and so much religious text and then it's like and then that little kernel is wrapped in like barbed wire and barbed wire and barbed wire and barbed wire until it's like this big ugly sharp ball that we're throwing at each other but it's like the central idea is just be cool. So whenever people like hide behind something to justify hatred, especially if it's religion, it's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, no,
1: absolutely. It's and it's weird when you grow up Catholic, too, because I think you have I always imagined God to be a very like angry, punishing person. And it was, um, you know, Derek has really brought me back to my faith in a lot of ways because he is um Methodist and like they like God is a beautiful thing in there but that that is not that was not the impression <laughs> that I grew up with like I thought I was in trouble and that Jesus was mad at me all the time like I thought I thought for sure that that's what was
2: like going on did you feel that growing up catholic I don't know that I thought like Jesus was mad at me but I definitely thought like the church was was mad at me I think I always felt guilty. That was the big thing. It's like
0: Catholic guilt. Yeah. Yeah. That I was doing something and I wasn't servicing God. Well, that's why I, I think I have
1: drugs every time I go through the airport is I'm like, I'm like, I'm certainly I, yeah, I can't be doing this right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get arrested. Um, right. It's a
2: lot to, it's a lot to put on anybody, isn't it? True. I True. furious about it sometimes.
1: All right. So we reached into our mailbag and got a letter and Cameron's going to read it for us.
2: I'm going to be 30 this year, and I just moved back in with my parents. I moved out a few years ago, but I'm coming back because I hated my job, and I thought it made more sense to move home and save up for whatever happens next time than it did to keep barely scraping by paying rent. I'm feeling super pressured to find a new job, and I want to work, but everything still sounds so soul-crushingly awful. I feel like there's something I'm supposed to be doing that I just cannot seem to put my finger on. I've got a bunch of skills, but no idea what the fuck I'm supposed to be doing with them. How do I find my hustle?
1: What are you passionate about? Start there. Like, do you, like, my sister, I think, is going to cosmetology school, my my 17-year-old stepsister, and it all came up because she didn't know what she wanted to do with her life. My mom was like, "Well, what do you like?" And she was like, "I really like doing makeup." And my mom was like, "Okay, that's a great that's a great thing to know about yourself. Like, it's also, I think why you it's important to go to college. I thought I was going to be a politician. Um, and I switched to the film department like like one semester in. So, I uh yeah. That's my I mean, what are you passionate about?
2: Yeah, I also think that We're in this new, I mean, okay, so if you're 30, you're not really a millennial, you're like a generation Y, I guess. I think that's what I am. I think I'm generation Y. That's probably what you are. Mm -hmm. And it's strange. We get married a lot later if we get married at all, but I just mean anyone that's getting married is probably not getting married as much at 23 as they are like 28 or 33. So we have this like gap in our 20s where we're now supposed to figure out what's perfect for us and... There's a lot of pressure if you have a certain amount of privilege or certain if you're from, like, a certain income background and you have enough education that you're supposed to just, like, find your one thing and then stick with it. And, like, you should be fulfilled. You should have the most fulfilling relationship. You should have the most fulfilling friend group. And you should have hobbies and also, like, a job that you love. Right. So I'm just breaking it to you that that you might just have to get a job.
1: Honestly, I'm kind of like, yeah, girl, all, all jobs kind of
2: suck. And I mean, like you said, find something that you're passionate about, and that's amazing. But like, if you can't right now, then you just do whatever, no. and something kind of unfolds from there. Like, I think it's kind of like somebody that says, um, "I want to find a partner, but I don't want to date, or I want to find a partner, but I don't, I don't, but I hate online dating. I just want to go meet someone fluidly, like at a bar, and it's that's not really how." we meet each other anymore. Like still, some people meet at bars, but a lot of people have to just like fake their way until they make it. So you got to try a bunch of online sites. So it's kind of the same thing. Like, how do I know what's the one thing I want to do? I don't know, have like 10 jobs. Try 10 things out and see what is like the least bad. Maybe you're the kind of person that doesn't have a job or career that they love, but has like a family that they love or a home that they really have taken care of. You know, I think
1: that's my lifestyle Not so important.
2: everybody is going to have everything that they desire you know i'm so lucky and proud of myself that i found like a career that i like but there's a lot of other things that are missing you know i could list like all of the things i've given up to have this one fulfilling thing and you just kind of piece it together as you go
1: Absolutely. Or you can also um, sell drugs or have sex for money. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those are two also you can do that, too. Um, But I think that you should just
2: probably go on Craigslist and get a fucking job. Yeah. Get a job on Craigslist or like. Go find out where one of your buddies works and like work at some office job doing marketing and then like the next week. Quit if you hate it. I mean, I don't know. Work at Old Navy. I think not working is probably, like, the least helpful thing you could do for absolutely,
1: yourself. Absolutely. absolutely. Got to keep
2: waiting. Waiting around is probably, like, the number one way to not figure it out. Absolutely. Got to gotta keep moving, girl.
1: Movement is life. That's a quote from World War Z um, that I think was actually a quote from something else originally. Um, okay. Next call.
4: Okay. Hey, Molls. I just called, and I feel like I'm just a scatterbrained hot mess right now. But um, I called about the Wellbutrin, um dilemma. So, yeah, I basically just got prescribed that. I'm 20 years old, and I'm in college. I'm a senior, though, and I'm, like, almost done, about to turn 21. Um, anyways, I was just, like, worried, I guess, because, like, I don't know. It says you can't drink, so I only took it for four days. And then I stopped, but then I feel like I need – I feel like I just need to be on something. Like, I know I'm kind of a little bit of, a, like, a psycho bitch, you know. But I embrace it. Um. Anyway, I was just like wondering. I guess I was kind of trying to go for like getting prescribed Adderall or something. But then also that kind of scared me. So like I don't know. Right now I'm taking it again, and I'm just trying to see like if it actually does help me. But I'm a little worried because I'm a little bit of like yeah I don't know. I'm in college. Like I like to drink. I'm a little bit of a binge drinker, I guess. And like I'm a little worried because. I'm referring to your tweet because I saw that you tweeted, all I need in this life sin is soda and Wellbutrin. And I was like, that is perfect. Um, anyways, I was hoping you could advise on this. Like, I don't know if you would be open to talking about if that's what you're on or if you maybe, like, know a friend that's on it or you can just tell me. Bye, Maul, Please advise.
1: Well, I actually cover this pretty heavily in my upcoming ebook, The Alcoholic Bitch Who Ruined Your Life. Uh, you probably... Pre sales probably up by the time this is airing, so just go ahead, put that in iTunes, buy it, and then like buy a bunch for your friends. Um, I get into, I have no problem talking about meds. Um, first of all, everyone fucking drinks on antidepressants. Like the I the only people I know who don't are like, like just too, super paranoid. Like unless unless they like, I, I show sure, of course I've drank on Ombutren. I drank too excessive Ombutren. Um I did drunk history when I was on Wellbutrin and I passed the physical. So you have to take a physical in order to do the show. So I'm just saying whatever. Um Wellbutrin has completely changed my life. I find that it just it's not an SSRI. It more helps with like your well your overall well-being and um if I you know went through a really Long depressive slump where I was on Cymbalta and gained a fucking shit ton of weight. I talk about it in the book. Um, then I decided to get back on Wellbutrin. If you want to know why I got off of Wellbutrin, you'll have to buy the book, "The Alcoholic Bitch Who Ruined Your Life." Um, but yeah, I I feel like I am like back with like a boyfriend I should have never dumped. Like I, this is like I feel it just helps with my productivity i can't put my lap down my laptop i can't put my laptop down these days like i am more i'm more um i'm more readily reaching for work and putting my hands in, and getting my hands dirty than i was before i more productive more yeah. productive 100 percent. but the thing is and i'll tell you this when i went in for the wellbutrin the doctor first tried to give me adderall i will tell you something I love a good eating disorder. I when I graduated Boston College, I lost 60 pounds going into my senior year. I weighed 93 pounds like I have starved myself in the past. And uh, Adderall has been an excellent aid. And in, in doing that, that's like, you know, you don't feel hungry for two, three days sometimes. And you can just like eat a slice of an apple and then drink a Coca-Cola and stay alive. Um, but. I I said to the doctor when he was going to give me the Adderall, I said, you know what? I would love to take this from you, but I legitimately like could be an addict. And like, I don't like if I if I take this from you, I will come back in a month and I will weigh weigh, like 100 pounds and I'll be lying to you and telling you that everything's going great because I want you to keep giving me Adderall. But the responsible thing for me to do is Obutron. And it sounds like Adderall does not fix your mood. Um, so it sounds like if you are, it's, it's like a totally different thing. It takes the edge off for me. I'm taking Wellbutrin with Zoloft now. Just FYI.
2: Do you have a good doctor that you work with? Can you be honest I with that do, person?
1: I do. Have a, I do have a good doctor that I can work with. I Yeah, I had to fire, like, my whole team. Um, you'll, you'll read about it in the book. Um, I had to fire, like, every all the doctors that I was working with because I got led into, like, a really bad situation. But um, I uh, have a, a guy that I work with now that's awesome and very understanding and, like, you know, I he – leads me away from things that he thinks could be... He's very, like, you know, this could be habit-forming. Like, this drug goes really, really well with this drug. Like, he seems to just have, like, an intricate knowledge and understanding of
2: what he is doing, so... I I think that I'm, like, a little worried just because of how young this woman sounds, that she called you as opposed to speaking to a doctor that she trusts and you know what I know it's really difficult sometimes to talk to doctors about what's going on and also especially like people that are giving you psychotropic drugs like sometimes they have really busy schedules and it's hard to get a lot of their time and sometimes you're just like not able to articulate what you need yet so I I'm only just gonna say to this gal that you might want to like just go real slow and test the waters with drinking and see how it works for you. Yeah. Because um, I also know people that don't. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you you know everybody that does. I also know people that don't um, drink because they're on medication that prevents them from drinking. And so some people don't. I think you have to figure out what it feels like in your bod because bods are super different. Uh, absolutely. And then also, if you are communicating with somebody – And you think that you know what you want and then they give you something else and you don't feel like you could call them back or like send an email and just say like, hey, do you think this would be a better fit for me? I just wonder if you're working with the right person or maybe it's just an age thing. Maybe you're a little young and you don't know that you have a right to ask these follow-up questions, but you don't have to just take something because it was prescribed to you. And also sometimes like medication plus like – I don't know yoga or meditation 100%. Like, like on a long enough timeline in your life, you're going to put together a like package of things that work for you. Like these are the kinds of foods I can eat and this is when I can eat ca- this is when I can drink caffeine and then if I drink it after this time, this doesn't work. And I just think right. meds like you can kind of put into that category. You're trying to figure out like what your body needs to function at its highest level and it might take a couple tries and it might take some questions. And it might take trying to find a doctor that you can actually talk to or like a homeopath or some other person that you feel like you can actually connect with. I think that's
1: really smart advice. And also, r- just real quick, do
2: you taking
1: an antidepressant for four days and then stopping cold turkey can be very, very dangerous. Absolutely. And a... When I first got on Wellbutrin the first time, it took a month until I felt normal. My brain felt a little bit like a watercolor painting at first. And you start out with a lower dosage. And then it, typically they'll double your dosage after this first two weeks. But that's some dangerous shit to just like – it's not like birth control where I guess worst case scenario, like you just get back on it next month. Like you have to – that's a routine.
2: Right. So that's the reason I said that is because it felt strange to me that, I mean, not, not, it felt strange. Girl, you can't stop taking medication without talking to your doctor. And there are some medications that that might be true for. I'm trying to think of what that's true, what that's like, literally even in a, in an antibiotic, like you should finish the dose or you should call them like for all sorts of stuff. Because we're just trying to figure out what makes our bodies work the best it is, a, it is not easy.
1: Yeah, yeah, so that's real.
2: You're you're on it, you're on it, kids. Stay on the case, but uh, don't bow out too early and ask some follow-up questions. All
1: right, you guys, so that's pretty much it for today's episode. You guys remember to call us with your updates, 323-450-7408. You can email us at askpleaseadvise at com. We also love it if you want to email us voice notes instead of calling and leaving a message on our answering machine, but I do love that too. I feel like you guys just gotta have the courage, man. I know people don't like leaving voicemails anymore. I hear some hear that leave a voicemail. Pretend I'm your grandma. Like you, you you can't tell your grandma that you don't like leaving voicemails. Um follow us on Soch. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, just Google, please advise. It's PLZ advise because we are illiterate. Uh, We're on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash advise, And also subscribe to us on iTunes. We had a huge jump in our iTunes subscriptions recently. So thank you so much. Uh, If you're new to the pod and enjoying it, please tell your friends. And um, thanks for everyone out there who is subscribing because that's what's going to get me closer to that Nature Box money. So you're also going to need to go to naturebox.com slash advise, And um, you're going to get a 404 error. But... um, just hit refresh as many times as you can so they can see that clicks are coming in from Please Advise, and then they'll Google that, find out what it is, and then send me free sriracha cashews. Um, Cameron, we do a thing at the end of the show called Free Advice where you have an opportunity to. Oh, girl, sorry, my bad. Um, what, what where can people find you on social?
2: Oh, sure. Uh, at Cameron Esposito, C A M E R O N. E-S-P-O-S-I-T-O, all over the place on Instagram and Twitter. And my my website is CameronEsposito.com. There's a list of all sorts of shows that are upcoming. I have a huge spring tour. Awesome. I'll be all over the country. So that's CameronEsposito.com slash shows. And you have an album that people can purchase? It's called Same Sex Symbol. Okay. You can purchase that on iTunes or literally anywhere. There's like a zillion different spots. So if you just Google Same Sex Symbol, uh, you'll find it. And then – I have a couple podcasts of my own. I have a stand-up podcast that's called Put Your Hands Together. Mm-hmm. And I have an action sci-fi movie co- podcast that's called Wham Bam Pow. Those are all the places you can find me. Find me in all of those places. I'm very find
4: her. easy to
2: find.
1: And when you're Googling or searching for same-sex symbol, same-sex symbol, you can pick up The Alcoholic Bitch Who Ruins Your Life. That's right. May 12th. Um, perfect so yeah it's perfect it's perfect it's like very easy for you guys Um, Cameron we do a thing at the end of the show where we let our guests kind of give a piece of free advice something that has been bugging them or that they want the people to know about Um, do you have a piece of free
2: advice sure it's not bugging me at all in fact it's making me very happy and that is if you didn't watch Empire when it was on please go and watch Empire on Hulu Uh, it is very important I only watched the finale in real time. Now I'm going back and starting from the beginning and watching the show. It's amazing. If you somehow missed it. Were you on Twitter while you were watching the finale? Yes. Because that was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> what, but what I happened? mean, I also...
0: The finale was like two hours long and it was it's just... Amazing. it was. Every commercial break was this huge, like, thing happening, and it was everything, and then right. I, I loved it.
2: <laughs> but I don't know if, for some reason, like, because I mostly follow other comics. Yeah. Comics weren't really watching this show. Like, it's kind of funny. It's like everybody's watching something, or nobody is, because it's like this, I don't know, it's like this group mind thing. Yeah. So it was mostly my non-comic people that were watching Empire, so I really didn't see that much about it when it was on. God damn it, white people that I know. Yeah. Why didn't you watch so this good. show? It's yeah. so important. Yes. Not just good, like unbelievably good. It's like a soap opera, but fast. Yeah. How did they do that? So it's, I love it, and um, it's it's going to change television. It already has.
1: Timbaland does the music, which is such a bonus.
2: Trip drop. True True story.
4: Uh, (laughs)
1: uh, Yeah, no, I I, I have that same situation with not finding my people. uh, So I oftentimes just have to use the pretty little liars hashtag, which has (laughs) led me down some really dark paths. I mean, because you can only imagine. I mean, for maybe every one tweet that has information that interests me, I may be reading one to two hundred other tweets of people just being like, "OMG, PLL." Yeah, I'm pretty like, stressed
2: out about the idea of just looking at that. Yeah, feed of Pretty Little Liars tweets. <laughs> it's my.
1: It's like very. It's very important to me. I spent a lot of time. I've been these fucking bitches for five years now. Have had me on the edge of my seat, and I want some goddamn answers. I'm ready. Oh, By the way, do you want to know my theory? I mean, you don't know.
2: You don't. You're not watching this out. Never the show. seen an episode. Don't know anything about what it's about. This might be
1: of interest to you. Okay, so um, Charles, we know now that A is named Charles De Laurentiis. Okay, And that um, we think that he might be Jason's twin or slightly younger, okay? Now, there was a scene earlier on in the season that was a flashback to Allison opening up two presents and they were matching yellow dresses and... The mom came in and said, put those away. Um, You only like, you know, don't tell your father. If your father sees two dresses, he's going to he's going to like leave us or something. Okay, so Allison is taught to lie and told like, you know, you only have one. There was I only saw one dress. There was only one dress. Okay, so what I figured out is I think Charles De Laurentiis was put into Radley, the mental institution or. Um, sent to live somewhere else because he is transgendered and um, was rejected by his father. And that's why, and the mom The truth finally comes out. And I think that that might be for a while I thought maybe Charles was Bethany, who was a girl that died, who was apparently also at the mental institution, but I don't know. I don't know. Wowzers. Yeah, but I think think Charles is going to, it's going to come out that he is trans.
2: Man, okay. I
0: hope he's all right. Oh, yeah. Me, I mean... She. I hope she's all right. Yeah. She's going to have fabulous hair because all the girls on that show have amazing Um,
1: uh, I mean, they're solving crime and look flawless. It's amazing. <laughs> like, it's a it's a really good show about girls working together. It really is. Like, there's not a lot of... There have been, like, essays written about, about it about how there's not a lot of emphasis on the romantic relationships in the show because, like, there's so much, like plot like these girls are figuring out so much i'm very addicted it's super embarrassing um thank you for coming on oh total pleasure empire's great rack oh it's really good yeah so um thanks thanks for being here it's wonderful to catch up with you and we'd love to have you back another time yeah i know you gave great advice like really really Good advice.
2: Well, I'm extremely smart. Yeah.
1: And good call on pointing out that that girl should speak to a medical professional because my biggest fear is being sued because I already have like nothing. And it's like they're going to just like, take my dog or something. So
2: thank my you for a pointing lawyer. that out. So uh, I unfortunately always think like that and yeah. it drives my fancy crazy. But I'm always like, hey, you need to take the book off of the back seat of this car because it's going to come out forward and slice our heads off and then... We'll have, like, a lawsuit, but we'll be dead. My point is, thanks, Dad, for putting this in my head, and I will never be able to not think about things that way.
1: God bless. Mm -hmm. All right, thanks, Always see a medical professional. Always, always. Bye.